Here's the question. How do you create a lifestyle full of energy, vitality, and success without burning yourself out? From hormones to sleep to mindset and lifestyle, I've got you covered. This is Burnout to Breakthrough. Welcome to the Burnout to Breakthrough podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Shoemake. Today's episode is two energy suckers that you can't see. And I am speaking specifically to anyone over the age of 40. If you're under the age of 40, you can still listen to this, get some good wisdom for when you do turn 40. But anybody over the age of 40, um, you really need to start paying attention to your energy levels and what is sucking your energy. So I'm going to give you two silent and deadly energy suckers that you cannot see with your own eyes. We call these the two eyes that you can't see with your own eyes. And we're going to dig into that today. This is uh, based on a workshop that I did in my office. Uh, I had about 100 people there. And we talked about this. It was called Let Food Be Thy Medicine, which is a quote from Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine. And the truth when it comes to your food is that it can either help you, it can make you healthy, or it can make you sick. So we're going to give you two things that you can pay attention to today that will help not only your energy level, but just about everything else in your body. Uh, so go ahead and buckle in, take some notes, and, and we're going to get rolling. This whole idea of, of after the age of 40, though, it's funny. I learned this uh, the hard way. I'm, I'm now, as I'm recording this, 44. When I was 40, I remember I, I, that's where I started having my first adrenal uh, symptoms, adre- neuroadrenal fatigue symptoms. So I was tired all the time. I started getting sick a lot. I was uh, waking up anxious. I just didn't care as much as I used to care. You know, kind of felt like I was having a midlife crisis. But my body was just starting to to really betray me. After 40 years of really good health, um, I started to go downhill. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone who's about 10 years older than me. And he's like, he's like, how old are you again? And I said, 40. And he's like, yep, 40 is when you need to start paying attention. He's like, you can get away with pretty much anything until you're 40, but then you got to start paying attention. And uh, that is absolutely the truth. And I think that's, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're wearing out or getting old. It just means that uh, things are shifting. And I think there's kind of that seasons, season of life. That first season of life is up to age 40. And then the second season of life or second half of your life is after that. And there's all kind of books. Uh, there's a book by Richard Rohr called Falling Upward, which is great about how you want to kind of change the way your, your life is defined in the second half of life anyway. Like I think, it, I think the game is all rigged in our favor to say you have to start paying attention and looking at things differently once you hit age 40. Doesn't mean you, you, you give up on things or give up on the things that you like, but I think it, it's set up like, like the universe is working with you or conspiring for you so that you have to start doing things a bit differently. And that's really what this whole podcast is all about. So, um, I, I was just talking to my wife about this and, and she had been doing some coaching um, with with someone in, 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 the, in the Chinese medicine space and they said in, in Chinese medicine they believe that you have a certain amount of chi that's kind of unlimited uh, but you use it up by the time you're 40. And then at 40, you have to start every, every interaction that you have, you have to start thinking, is this using up my energy, my life force or is this giving me more energy? So uh, what I want to give you today is some things that you can do today that will start giving you more energy and stop sucking up your energy. So let's go ahead and dive into what that actually means. The first eye, so this is the two eyes that you can't see with your two eyes. The first eye is insulin resistance, okay? This is a massive problem in the United States um, because we have our levels of insulin are, insulin are typically too high because of our lifestyle and a lot of the things that we eat and the foods that are offered to us now with a lot of the extra processing and the junk that people were not eating nearly as much 100, 200 years ago, much less 1,000 years ago. So insulin, if you, if you know what insulin does, let's go back and review that for a second. 
insulin is responsible for um, pulling blood or, or pulling sugar out of the uh, bloodstream and putting it back into the cells. So when you eat something that uh, it's going to affect your body a certain way, if you eat something that's high on the glycemic index, um, which means your body's it's going it, to it contains sugar, you're going to have sugar in the blood, and insulin's job is to pull it out of the blood and get it into the cell. So it regulates blood sugar, right? And so if you have too high a blood sugar, then you obviously have diabetes. So a lot of people think of insulin. Um, as diabetes, like too much insulin over time or insulin resistance over time or fa- or lack or failure of your body to um, be able to use insulin, that's diabetes. But there's much more to it than diabetes. So insulin resistance is really the phase that happens before diabetes or what they call pre-diabetes. A lot of research says that as much as 70% of Americans are um, pre-diabetic or insulin resistant, and you don't know it because it happens for a long time kind of subclinically before it finally gets diagnosed. And that's like so many things. I've been talking to a lot of people recently that have emailed me from the show and said, why didn't my doctor tell me that I have adrenal fatigue or I have neuroadrenal burnout? Because it's just not going to show up on a blood test. It doesn't doesn't show up on a typical test. So when you finally have full-blown diabetes, that means you've been insulin resistant for a long, long time. So I'm going to give you just some symptoms of insulin resistance. Um, Oh, let's go back to what insulin does just for a second, though. So if if insulin does its job, you eat something, it pulls the the sugar out of the blood into the cell, everything's fine. But if you eat things that are too high in sugar or too high on the glycemic index for a while, then you always have high levels of insulin. So your insulin is always elevated because it's it's having to work overtime to bring that blood, uh, the sugar out of the blood back into the cell and keep things regulated the way they should be. And you get what's called insulin resistant. Your body just stops listening to insulin the the way it used to. So... It's like if your mother-in-law is yelling at you all the time, what do you do? You're going to tune her out. If your kids are in the backseat screaming at you on a road trip, you're going to tune them out. Well, your body does the same thing to insulin. If it's elevated for a long period of time, then it basically tunes it out. Insulin can't do its job the way it's supposed to, and that's when you can become full-blown diabetic. But there are symptoms that are really damaging before that ever happens. So I'm going to give you some some basic symptoms of insulin resistance. So number one is fatigue. Um, You're tired a lot. Um, high levels of insulin also cause accelerated aging. So you age faster, um, constant hunger, inability to lose weight, especially around the midsection, um, high levels of insulin. Insulin is a building hormone, which means it's a storage hormone. It's going to store fat. So if you have high levels of insulin, you're not gonna be able to burn fat because it's working to store fat, uh, cravings for sugar, fatigue after meals, especially, um, migrating aches and pains, like moving around from your shoulder to your knee, to your hip, to your ankle, elbow, those types of things, aches and pains that kind of move around, um, upper abdominal obesity, which is kind of that, you know, middle of your, middle of your body, um, high triglycerides or cholesterol is another hallmark of this thing. And, uh, and then you got hormone issues. So we're talking for women, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, infertility, Estrogen dominance, and that's, that's another big one for men. Estrogen dominance is going to decrease your, your testosterone, and you're in big trouble. So I just that's if you look at most of the people that are in our society that are dealing with any types of symptoms, I just listed them out. So fatigue, constant hunger, inability to lose weight, cravings for sugar, uh, fatigue after meals, migrating aches and pains, all of that stuff is a sign of insulin resistance. resistance. Okay, so what do you do about it? The key is eating things, and, and I'm going to give you some real basic things to do because, I, like I, I mentioned to the people at the workshop, I, I kind of 
come, I subscribe to the 80, 20 rule, which means do the right thing 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time, that's when you can do your vacation meals and eat your pizza and do whatever you want. There's 20%. So that's really what I'm going to talk about today is that the 80%, you got the 20% handled yourself. You can handle the cheating side of it on food, but the 80%, you want to be eating things that are low on the glycemic index. And the glycemic index just gives us a, um, an index of how quickly things turn to sugar in our body and how much of a load of on our body it is when it comes to insulin. So how much of an insulin spike or insulin load does a food cause? And I'll post this on the Facebook page, on the Burnout to Breakthrough Facebook page. Um, I will post this uh, glycemic index. I'll also put it on the Axiom Health Solutions page. So... High glycemic foods are going to cause, they cause your blood sugar to spike, which means they cause your insulin levels to spike right after that. So high glycemic foods are going to be things like white bread. So French bread, white rice, corn chips, mashed potatoes, rice cakes, donuts, crackers, breakfast cereal, toaster pastries, cornflakes, pretzels, jelly beans, French fries, waffles, bagels. Those things are high on the glycemic index, which, and, and it's kind of, that, that makes sense. I didn't read one thing that's remotely healthy for you on that list. And then you get into moderate um, glycemic index foods. That's uh, things like oatmeal, um, whole grain or whole wheat bread, um, ice cream, fruit drinks. Those are moderately high, so they're still going to cause a pretty big spike of insulin. So those are things you should eat very sparingly. And then low glycemic index foods, this is the stuff you should be eating 80% of the time. Sweet potato. Um, steel cut oats. If you're going to do oatmeal instead of regular instant oatmeal, do steel cut oats. Any grain you have to cook for a longer period of time is going to be lower on the glycemic index. Um, kiwi, grapefruit juice, pasta is actually pretty low on the glycemic index. Um, chickpeas, peaches, pinto beans, navy beans, prunes, lentils, cherries, broccoli, cabbage, greens, cauliflower. I think you get the idea, right? This is the stuff that's good for you. And it happens to have a lot of vitamins and minerals and those things as well, but it's low on the glycemic index. So eating things that are lower on the glycemic index. And again, I will post that on the Facebook page. So you can just print this out, put it on your, on your fridge and say, okay, I want, I'm going to have, um, maybe I'm going to have Mexican food with rice today. So I can have white rice, which is going to be really high on the glycemic index, which is 125, or I can do brown rice, which is only at 79. So I'll choose the brown rice instead. Hopefully that makes sense. So some real simple things that you can do to decrease your insulin load. So things that are lower on the glycemic index. Now, if you exercise a lot, then you can get away with doing things that are higher on the glycemic index around the time of exercise. Like if I go ride my bike for three hours, I'm going to eat things that are higher on the glycemic index right after I exercise because my body can use that. It doesn't cause this big insulin spike because it's putting it back into the sugar, back into my muscles as glycogen. So right after a hard workout, you can get away with some higher glycemic index foods, like some higher, um, you know, higher sugar, uh, like fruits, like ba uh, you could have a bagel with peanut butter and a banana on it, something like that. Your body can get away with it much more during that time. Okay, so the second eye is called chronic inflammation. So inflammation is the second eye. Chronic inflammation is the source of uh, just so many problems in our country. Um, Time Magazine did an article, a whole, it was on the actually front page a couple years ago, and it says the, the surprising link between inflammation and heart attacks, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is directly linked to long-term inflammation. So what can we do to decrease inflammation? The first thing, eat things that are lower on the glycemic index that we just talked about. Those lower glycemic foods are going to cause much less chronic inflammation in your body, okay? So what are some signs of chronic inflammation? High blood pressure is one. 
because that's inflammation of the large arteries. Joint pain is another sign of, of chronic inflammation. Digestive problems like leaky gut, which leads to uh, acid reflux, um, IBS, Crohn's disease, those types of issues. And then autoimmune conditions. MS, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, fibromyalgia, um, all of those types of autoimmune disorders where your body's attacking itself, those are, are big uh, um, hallmarks of chronic inflammation. Okay, So if you think you have chronic inflammation, what do you do about it? Eat lower on the glycemic index. And number two is change the fats that you're eating. Okay, So hopefully you've heard of omega-6 versus omega-3 fats. And the way your body was designed is that you should have a certain ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. Now, an omega-6 fat is what we call a pro-inflammatory fat, which means it causes inflammation. And an omega-3 fat decreases inflammation. It's anti-inflammatory. So you should have no more than a 2 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. So in other words, you should have no more than a 2 to 1 ratio of the, the bad fats to good fats. What we find in our country is it's, it's 20 to 1 bad fats to good fats, or sometimes 50 to 1 ratios of bad fats to good fats in your body. And so what's that going to cause? It's going to cause inflammation, which is all those symptoms I just talked about. So you can start changing the fats that you're eating now to start adding more of the good omega-3 fats and getting less of the omega-6 fats. So what do I mean by good fats and bad fats? So we'll go use versus lose. You can use coconut oil. You can use avocado and avocado oil, wild salmon, uh, ghee, uh, which is like a clarified butter, olive oil, flax oil, macadamia walnuts and almonds, those nuts, eggs with the yolk. Those are all great fats. Okay. Now the things you want to lose or get rid of are the omega-6, the the pro-inflammatory fats. That's canola oil. These are things that are just like rancid vegetable oils. If it's if it's, if it's a vegetable oil and it came from something other than olives or avocado, then you want to get rid of that. So canola oil, soybean oil, peanut oil, safflower oil, cottonseed oil, margarine, which is the fake butter, like getting rid of those typical oils. So if it just says vegetable oil, get it out of your pantry. If it just says uh, canola oil, get it out of your pantry. If you read the back of a food label and it's got uh, soybean oil or sunflower oil, or cottonseed oil, those are bad pro-inflammatory fats. And that's why I always recommend people also supplement with fish oil. Um, we have one in our office called the Omega Avail Synergy, which is awesome. It has a great blend of the three omegas, uh, 3s, 7s, and 9s, the fatty acids that you need, um, which is absolutely huge. One thing when it comes to fish oils, you get what you pay for. If you're getting a big tub of fish oil from Sam's Club uh, that's you know $5.99, the problem is that stuff's just loaded with mercury because they're catching it from fish that are they're, – they're getting it from fish that are tainted with mercury. So it's got to be a good pharmaceutical-grade uh, fish oil that does not have the mercury in it. So hopefully that makes sense. Those are the two eyes. So insulin and inflammation. And the neat thing about this when it comes to energy is if you're making choices that are good fats, right? If you're eating a lot of, if if you're eating, you know, whole eggs, if you're eating flaxseed oil, walnuts, salmon, sardines, those things, those are going to add energy to your body. Inflammation saps energy, simple as that. And if you're eating foods that are low on the glycemic index, like the good fruits and vegetables and the, and the whole grains, um, those things are going to add energy to your body. If you're eating things that are high on the glycemic index, they're going to take away from your body if you're eating that junk all the time. So um, this goes back to once you're over the age of 40, you really got to start paying attention. And the way I look at how I eat now is much more like, is this what's the, what kind of effect is this food going to have on me? Am I going to feel like crap in two hours or tomorrow, or am I going to feel better? And that's what you want. So some real simple things that you can start doing there. Now, when it comes to like, you know, breaking it down into the, the, the simple habits that you use to, to make sure this sticks. Uh, I talk about food labels, you know, some, some quick things you can look at when it comes to food labels. 
Um, look for minimal ingredients. The less is better. So that trumps everything else. If you look at a food label on the back of something, the less ingredients, the better, period. And then look for natural ingredients. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Simple as that. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Um, and so if you just look at those two things, less ingredients and eat ingredients that you can pronounce. So example I give is like, uh, like Adam's peanut butter, the natural peanut butter. If you look at the back of that, what's in there is organic roasted unblanched Valencia peanuts, period. That's it. That and salt, which is what should be in peanut butter. But if you grab like Jiffy or Skip, so this is a, this is a, a uh, Jiff or Skippy, this is a Skippy smooth peanut butter. On the back of that, it's got how many ingredients? Freshly roasted peanuts, soybean oil, maltodextrin, icing sugar, hydrogenated vegetable oil, and salt. So it's got one, two, three, four, five, six ingredients instead of one or two. So that's a problem. You can't pronounce some of that stuff. And then what did I just say? Those are the pro-inflammatory fats. So you want to get rid of the things like hydrogenated oil and soybean oil. Like get rid of that junk because that's causing inflammation. Um, some things when it comes to uh, reading food labels on the front, don't worry about what it says on the front of the food label. Like whatever's on the front of the box is just marketing. Um, you know, pretty straightforward. And then when you turn it around, like instead of just looking at how much fat, protein, and sugar is in there, read the actual ingredients. So read the ingredients and find out what exactly is going on in there that can be making you sick or making you inflamed and decreasing your energy. So um, I just want to end this podcast. Just I'm going to give you top five superfoods that you can eat, that you can focus on here, uh, that that are, have the most medicinal quality. Number one is cruciferous vegetables. That's broccoli, cauliflower, uh, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, those things are great because they boost something called glutathione in your body. And glutathione is the best antioxidant and detoxifier in your body that you possibly have. So if you want to live a long, long old age, live to a long old age, then you want to make sure you have a lot of glutathione in your body. Cruciferous vegetables have the building blocks for your body to make glutathione, which is huge. Number two, avocado. Lowers cholesterol and triglycerides. It's a good fat. Increases brain function because your body, your brain is 90% fat. So avocados are fantastic. So can I get an amen for guacamole? Um, number three, celery. Celery improves kidney function and circulation. It also increases the alkalinity in your body. So it raises your pH. So celery is fantastic. So a great like snack would be celery sticks with almond butter, uh, which is a fantastic, super easy uh, snack for you. Number four, blueberries. Blueberries are great for antioxidant load, which means they fight things like cancer. Also great for your vision as you get older. And then number five, raw almonds. Raw almonds are great for heart and bone health. They have a ton of trace minerals as well. They have a lot of selenium, manganese, uh, the minerals that you need to, uh, and cofactors that your body needs to make, um, make ATP, which is cellular energy. So those are the top five superfoods. You want to pack those things, cruciferous vegetables, avocados, celery, blueberries, raw almonds. There's other ones. Somebody asked me the other night at the workshop about beets. And I told her I just couldn't put beets on there because I hate beets myself because uh, I think they taste like dirt. <laughs> but my, uh, my wife eats them all the time. I wish I liked beets because they are really good for you. But my top five uh, superfoods. If you stick to those and, uh, you know, eat a couple of those a day, then you're going to do yourself a big favor. So, all right, that is the eyes that you can't see with your own eyes. So let's start making better choices and putting, uh, deposits of energy into the, the energy bank rather than withdrawals. And if you do that, I guarantee you're going to feel a whole lot better. So as always, um, I'll post, uh, some of the resources on the Facebook page, which is burnout to breakthrough. You can also check out the, the podcast always at burnout to breakthrough.net. 
And if you want the adrenal fatigue uh, quiz, I'm getting a lot of questions on that. If you want that 30-question adrenal fatigue quiz and you think it, that might be you dealing with adrenal fatigue, I will send that to you. All you need to do is email me at burnouttobreakthrough at gmail.com. And until then, let's turn that burnout into a breakthrough.